Good morning. My uh, sons are, is this okay, Bill? Okay. My sons are uh, up in the balcony uh, running the live stream. So we have this joke when this happens about, you know, making dad look good as much as possible. <laughs> so there's some debate about whether that's possible or not. So anyway, uh, I'm going to focus on the psalm that was read today. I got Rick's permission to do so. And actually, full truth be told, it's my request of the psalm. It wasn't the one for the readings this week. Um, I can explain more why I, I chose that, um, but um, a little bit about psalms. We, um, when I was pastoring, we used to do psalms every summer. We would just work through the next 10 or so that we would get to. Um, it was a good, a good practice for our church. But the reason that um, we would do that is I've, I've grown more and more in the conviction that uh, how important the psalms are to me personally as I get older and as I experience more in life. Because what you have in the Psalter is uh, you have an inspired hymn book. Uh, for God's people. You have songs that God wants us to, to sing to him as we get, gather together. And so what the Psalms do is they, they put on our lips for us the kinds of things that God wants to hear from us as we gather together to worship him. And so sometimes they say stuff that we feel very profoundly. Sometimes it's a stretch, like I don't know how to do that at all, but then, then it challenges us. What would it mean for me to understand and feel that way. Um, and so what they do as we put them on our lips um, and, and integrate them into our lives is they shape us and they form us. And so I want to take us through Psalm 13 this morning to have it uh, shape and form us a little bit. Let me start by telling you a story. I remember this was, I don't know how many years ago, 10 or so years ago, early in the life of the church that uh, we planted. And uh, I was meeting with a mentor of mine named Ned and kind of just, we would meet regularly and talk about things that were going on. And, and this particular morning, it was in the, what we used to be called the Coffee Grounds Coffee Shop in St. Paul, a little, a little half basement place. We were over against the far wall and it was late fall, I remember that. And uh, I was recounting to Ned a hard situation that we had been through. I won't give you all the details, but um, we had a, a man that sort of uh, left the church um, and wreaked a lot of havoc on the way, including leaving his wife and uh, on his way to the next place he was going, proposing to another woman after denying that he, there was another woman involved. And, and on the way out, he sort of trashed me and trashed other people in the church. And we were kind of a few months out from that and sort of recovering. And I was dispassionately, sort of matter-of-factly talking to Ned about what had gone on. And I finished telling my story. And he, I'll never forget it, he reached across the table, still gets me choked up. And he just gently set his hand on on my hand, and he said, you know it's not your fault, right? It's not your fault. And I just broke down. I just started weeping uh, in this coffee shop uncontrollably because though I hadn't had it at the forefront of my mind, those thoughts were there in the back that maybe this was my fault. And Ned knew that. He knew that I would feel that way in that moment. And he gave me words to express it, but not just the words, the freedom to express how I was feeling in that moment. And that is the wonder of Psalm 13 in the inspired word of God. God knows how we feel. God knows particularly that you are going to be sad. He knows that you're going to be sad. We are fallen people who live in a broken and fallen world. Things are not going to go the way that they're supposed to go. And we are going to be sad. Do you know that of all the Psalms, 150, the most common type of Psalm is a lament Psalm. A psalm that puts sadness on our lips to take it before the Lord. He knows 
how you're going to feel in this world. He knows you're going to be sad. You don't have to not be sad. You don't, you don't have to pretend that you're not sad in this world. And we don't have to be afraid of or try to fix people that are sad in this world. And that's important for us to get. And we know that because God knows. And he has given us words to express that sadness and therefore freedom to express that sadness to him. And as we do so, as we put Psalm 13 on our lips, we learn how to be sad as God's people. So I want us to look at how to be sad, three, three stanzas and three lessons. The first is that we should be sad honestly, we should be sad Godwardly, and we should be sad faithfully, and I mean that full of faith with two L's if you want to spell that out, faithful, just to emphasize the fullness of that. So let's talk about these. First of all, we should be sad honestly. So look at verses 1 and 2 again. I won't read them to you. Well, yeah, I will. I'll read them to you again. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Now, why does the psalmist, David, why does he say what he says here? Because that's how it feels. <laughs> he says it because that's how, he's being honest. This is how it feels. The pain, the hurt, the frustration, the alienation, the suffering, it just keeps going and going and going and going. How long, oh Lord, will this ever end? That's how it feels. And it feels like God has just forgotten to pay attention, forgotten to care. And notice he doesn't even, he skips a step. He doesn't say, have you forgotten me? That's not the question. He says, you forgot me. Will you forget me forever? Like, how long is this going to go? And then he combines the two sentiments in beautiful Hebrew parallelism. How long will you hide your face from me? Because clearly you are. And so how long is that going to last? That's how it feels spiritually to David. There's also a mental and emotional part of that. Is there something I can do for the echo here? Are we okay? Okay. I know that gets distracting, so better to acknowledge it than pretend it's not there. Sort of like with sadness. See, that was illustration. (laughs) So that's how it feels spiritually, but there's also mental and emotional parts of what David gives us the freedom to express. He he says, how long must I take counsel in my soul? It seems to me, how long do I have to keep trying to understand and wrestling internally with what in the world is going on? And how long must I have sorrow in my heart all the day? I don't think it takes much for us to understand what he's saying there. I'm just sad all the time. Borderline battling depression, possibly. So there's that spirit, there's mental, emotional. And then there's a horizontal, relational aspect to it. He says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Now, we have to be careful as we put this on our lips. Remembering, this is written by King David. So he's a little different than us in that he's the Lord's anointed and he's the head of the kingdom of God's people. So his enemies are very overtly God's enemies. And so that, that driver who cut you off doesn't necessarily apply uh, from this verse right here. But I think the way that it resonates with me is, is that uh, when I look around and do the comparison game, this is sometimes what gets us down in the world. So I look around and I see other people not having the hard time that I am having. A lot of times those are people who aren't trying to serve the Lord, right? Aren't trying to walk with God, and they seem to be flourishing. So there's a sense here of David saying, have you forgotten me? It feels terrible. I can't figure it out. I'm depressed. But how long do other people get to flourish and be happy while I languish, right? That's what it feels like. This is raw, stark stuff. And this is what we can bring to God. Be sad honestly. 
be sad honestly. You don't need to sugarcoat it. And remember, David wrote this for the people of God to sing together as they gathered. So we be sad honestly. And it's very important that we are sad honestly because the reality is the world we live in right now is not the way it's supposed to be, right? This is not the way things are supposed to be. We are going to be sad in this life. Do you guys uh, remember the movie, um, As Good As It Gets? This was, uh, Jack Nicholson was in that. And I remember a, a, a ter- terrible and great line. At the same time, he, he walks out of a counseling session. He walks through the waiting room filled with all these people waiting to see the counselor. And he starts to leave and he turns, he sticks his head back in. And he says to them, what if this is as good as it gets? Like you're, you're, you're struggling to make sense. What if, what if there's nothing else? But we know that this isn't as good as it gets. And so we, we have to be sad, honestly, about the reality because we suffer and we struggle because of our own sin, the sins of others and the effect on us, the brokenness of the world, the thorns, the thistles, all that. And we should not pretend other words. otherwise. We should not make peace with those things that are wrong and devastatingly sad. When I lived in Nebraska, I spent six months with a dead plant in my office. So one of uh, the associate pastors at our church there was doing campus ministry at the University of Nebraska. One of the associate pastors came in. He said, I got this plant that's too big for the pot. Can I split it and put it in your office? And I said, no. And he said, why no? I said, I don't do plants and it will die. And he said, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll water it, whatever. So I was like, fine. So he split it. He put it in my office. I did not take care of it. He did not take care of it. And it died. But the important part of this story is that it died and it sat dead in my office for six months. I walked into my office right by the plant every day for six months. Finally, our senior pastor comes in. Hey, Bart, I got to quit. Well, actually, two questions. Why is there a dead plant here in the office? Oh, yeah, that's Brad's fault. He didn't take care of it. And so he right away took it and threw it away. See, what happened with me is I made peace with things that are not the way that they're supposed to be, right? And if we pretend we're not sad, if we're not sad honestly, we're making peace with the way things are not supposed to be. We're making peace with what is contrary to God's purpose and his will. We're not supposed to feel alienated, forgotten, and hidden from God. We're not supposed to be confused and heartbroken in the world. Injustice and unrighteousness and wickedness are not supposed to prevail, but they do for a while longer, and it's sad. And we should be sad honestly. It's great to know that we can be sad honestly. Second thing, as we go through Psalm 13, we learn to be sad Godwardly. The psalm is addressed to God, right? That's, that's the audience that's to whom the, psalm speaks, the psalmist speaks overtly in five of the six verses. And he does so personally. He uses Yahweh. Whenever you see the Lord or O Lord in all caps, small caps, that is uh, the way that we in our English translations translate Yahweh, the personal name of God, the way that he revealed himself to Israel personally. He is the God, the Lord is often how it's said. He is God uh, Yahweh, the one who's personal and known. That's his name to Israel. So he refers to him by name. He calls him my God. He's, he's speaking directly to him in a personal manner. And he does so also expectantly, right? Look at verse 3. Um, and he says, consider and answer me, O Lord. He does so expectantly. I'm, I'm taking this to you and I'm expecting you to respond. Verse, the second half of verse 3, light up my eyes. Give me some good news. So he takes it to God personally in the context of the relationship that God has established in his covenant, which we know through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he does so expectantly, expecting God to hear and to respond. So Psalm 13 isn't being sad out into the world. 
uh, or out, sorry, out into the void, and it isn't being sad sort of behind God's back, like, you know, do you know what God has done lately? Like, that's often what we do. We express our sadness to one another, but we don't take it to God, and this is directly, honestly being sad to God. And it's not instinctive to us, because we feel like we need to hide it from him and pretend like it's okay, but it's extremely important. The counselor that I, I've seen recently and have Talk to you about the sadnesses in my life. Um, listen to a lot of my complaints and a lot of my honest sadness. And so many times over the course of my relationship with him, I would get done saying what I was saying and talking about my feelings and, uh, and, and my sadness. And he would say, yeah, it's hard. And then he would say to me, have you told Jesus about that? So often I would say, wow, no, I haven't. And the psalm says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. I'm giving you words to bring it to you. He wants to hear. I want you to hear that. He wants to hear your honest sadness. That's why Psalm 13 and all the other lament psalms are here in the Bible. They put these words on our lips so we can take them to God. And look at, look at verses 3 and 4 as we go on. There, there are three lests in there, right? Answer me lest this, lest I sleep the sleep of death, Lest my enemies say I've prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice. So we can appeal to God on the basis of his compassion for us, his care for us, because he said he cares for us. And so we can go to him and say, don't let me die. Don't let me sleep the sleep of death. Don't let me die. Don't let me continue to suffer. And then he, we know that he cares about his glory. And that's what David is talking about. He, again, here, it's like a little, we have to take a couple steps. David is the king of God's people. In that time, if a, if a nation conquered another nation, they conquered that nation's God. That was the understanding of it. And so David is saying, don't let, uh, don't let my enemies say I've prevailed over him, because God, you know, then they think they've prevailed over you. And so David is appealing not just to his compassion for himself, but also for God's glory. And that's what we do. God, God, let people see the care that you extend to me. And as we say our sadness to God and as he answers, this is an important thing for us too, to not just thank him, but, but tell the world, share the testimony of the glory of our God as he cares for us. But how great it is that we can be so demanding to God in our sadness. God, look at me, consider me, answer me, hear me, because you say you care about me, so please do so. And finally, we learn that we are to be sad faithfully, full of faith. And, and what I'm talking about here is, is faith as an activity, right? Faith is, is, is doing, there's a content to it, there's stuff that we believe, but to be faithful is to actually act on the reality of what it is that we believe. The, the classic illustration is, maybe you've heard this story about the tightrope walker over Niagara Falls. Anybody know where I'm going with this? A few people, right? So there's a crowd gathering as he walks across Niagara Falls and walks back and everybody goes, yay, that's great, you're so good. And then he takes a wheelbarrow and he puts it up on the tightrope and he walks across with the wheelbarrow and he walks back and everybody claps for him and he goes, how many people think I can do it again? They go, oh, yay, they wave their hands. Who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? And all the hands go down. <laughs> I believe you could do it again, but not quite that much. And I'm not saying get in the wheelbarrow. Okay, that's not the point, but... The point is the illustration of faith is active. And our, our sadness is not a time to doubt our faith. Now it makes us, don't, don't hear me shaming you when you doubt your faith when you're sad. That's not, I'm not trying to shame you, but I'm, I'm trying to exhort us because we don't need to doubt our faith. God is telling us in Psalm 13 that he knows we're going to feel like this, right? So it's not actually time to doubt our faith. It's time to embrace and lean into our faith. It's time to 
to, to live out what we know to be true, even though in those moments it feels counter. That's what Psalm 13 is teaching us. So look at how that bears out in Psalm 13, verse 5. The psalmist says, but I, and you can translate this as, as for me, it's sort of a, a emphatic. I've talked about you, God. I've asked you to live in the reality of your covenant relationship with us. And I am going to do that the same. I am going to live that out too, right? As for me, this is my resolve. This is my faithful action in the midst of my sadness. And so what, what he's doing is to be faithful is to widen the tunnel vision and to consider past and future in our moment, not just the present, and to act according to that full picture in which there are very sad chapters. So the psalmist says, as for me, I have trusted in your steadfast love, right? And this is another great word in the psalm. Whenever you see steadfast love, it's this Hebrew word chesed, which is fun to say because you get to do that kind of thing on the H, and it helps you remember. Whenever you see steadfast love, it's chesed, which gets carried over into the New Testament as grace, right, which is an important word for us, the grace of God that forgives our sins, draws us to him unconditionally. So David's saying, I have trusted in your chesed. I have known the grace of unconditional love, of covenant promise that you've given to me. I've, I've known that in the past, right? I've trusted in that. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Like, I'm looking forward to the future that, that this chesed is going to bear fruits of salvation going forward. Now, we tend to hear salvation as eternal life, and that's part of it. But salvation in the Bible is, is really just deliverance from all the brokenness. And it can be in various chapters of salvation and then that one final deliverance of new heavens and new earth. But you see how David is looking. We don't know if he's looking to deliverance from this situation or ultimately to the end when, when all things will be made new. But he has that perspective of I have trusted. I know your grace to me. And I know where this is going. And I know you're going to be gracious to me in the future. And so then he says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He resolves to keep singing his songs to the Lord. And th this is where our two, our two other readings that we had come in, right? Because we've got, we've got the gospel reading that reminds us where things are headed. You may see the person with the, the homes and the storehouse and all that stuff and think, why don't I have that, Lord? And then his life is taken because that's not where our hope is. That's not what we're living for and building up for. And we have this great writing from Paul in Romans chapter 8 where he says, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, past, right? I have received your hesed. Will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? New heavens and new earth. That's what is coming. And so then the, Paul says, so I'm convinced that death nor life, angels nor demons, things present, things to come, powers, height steps, nothing in all creation, all this stuff that's making me sad, Nothing is going to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I can say I'm sad, but my faithfulness says I'm not going anywhere because I know what I've received and I know what's coming and I know he loves me. And that even this great sadness that he invites me to bring to him is not separating me from the love that he's expressed to me in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we hear, I will sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. And I think we tend to hear that as praise choruses. And maybe it is. But I think it's just as fair to, to read this in the context of the psalm as, I'm going to keep singing the sad songs to God. I'm going to keep singing to him whatever it is that's going on because he is my hope and he is my trust. And that's how to be sad. So I remember a great scene from, uh, I'm a superhero junkie. I love the superhero movies. One of my favorites is The Incredibles. Shout out to The Incredibles. <laughs> Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, that's really on you because it's old. So 
there's a scene towards the end uh, of the first one where um, Jack Jack has been um, uh, taken by the syndrome, the bad guy, and they're rescuing him. And so, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bob, Bob, Mr. Incredible, uh, takes Mrs. Incredible, Elastigirl, he throws her up into the air and she grabs Jack-Jack away from syndrome and then she transitions into a parachute and is gently floating him down. Meanwhile, Mr. Incredible has thrown something else up to blow up Syndrome's plane. And so there's chaos reigning all over the place, explosions and just catastrophe all over the place. But um, Mrs. Incredible is like holding Jack-Jack and floating him down gently and where all this stuff is going around. You know, I can't remember what she's saying. You know, look at me, Jack-Jack, everything's going to be fine or whatever, right? Beautiful picture. And this is, this is how Psalm 13 works, right? It, you don't need to ignore the blowing up, the, up that's going on around you. To say what it is. Talk about it. Be honest and tell God how sad you are and why you're sad. But this psalm takes us and it focuses us back on him, right? Faithful E. In the midst of the chaos, this is where my focus is. On the Lord who has shown me love and he will deliver me. So that's how we can be sad in the world. Let me pray for us that we would be enabled to, to do so. Got it. <clears throat> Excuse me. It breaks my heart to think about all the sadnesses in this room, even this morning. I don't. I don't know, but I know that people come with lots of burdens in this this broken and fallen world. And what a gift it is that you tell us uh, to be sad, help us to be sad, enable us, put words, and give us freedom to be sad, and help us to learn how to do that faithfully. So. Uh, Holy Spirit, take your word and, and bear fruit in us in the midst of our sadness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.